0: guys this evening I'm proud of you you braved the rain you made it and it'll be worth it I promise amen so we just want to start off we want to greet everybody that's joining us online this evening thank you so much for tuning in we're glad that you're with us tonight and uh, uh, we know that you'll be blessed by tonight's message amen so let's get started first of all we'll do some announcements really quickly first of all train Christian Academy our school if you did if you're watching online, Uh, The red light's off, so I'll just talk to you guys in here. Train Christian Academy, the sale that we've been uh, talking and advertising is happening this Friday and Saturday. So make sure that if you have some things that you were wanting to donate but hadn't gotten around to it, make sure that you get those to the church office by tomorrow and so that we can put that out in the sale. Again, that is to raise funds. All proceeds go towards Train Christian Academy. And so we're encouraging you to bring all of your gently used stuff. And, you know, it doesn't even have to be used. You can buy some stuff to donate. As a matter of fact, you could just write a check. Amen. So that, again, is happening Friday and Saturday. If you would like to volunteer to be a part of that, either to set up the sale or help break it down, or to just work that sale, then um, they would love your help. Be sure to see Dana Craig, and she'll get you hooked up and get you on the schedule to do that. Amen. So... Next overcomers hey, all right we have three representatives here in the house praise God that is our spirit filled uh overcomers addiction uh based program it's a twelve step program that uh, it's more than just being um uh, uh, getting past things it's overcoming you're you're delivered amen amen, amen. hallelujah so that's starting up uh October fifth. That is tomorrow, which happens to be my birthday, which is a good day to get something started. Amen. Uh, so the program itself runs for twenty-two weeks. It covers all twelve steps of overcoming. Amen. So it starts it uh, tomorrow night. It'll be every Thursday night, seven p.m. in the Area Fifty-One building. Is that correct? Yes, Area Fifty-One. So if you have any type of anything that has gotten, uh, uh, been hindering you, it doesn't have to be drugs or alcohol, it can be whatever that you're having uh, troubles overcoming, then praise God, the faith that overcomes the world, amen, that once you're born again, you have that faith. And so we would love to come together in partnership with you and uh, disciple you in that area so that you can exercise your faith and live a life of freedom of overcoming those things, amen? So make sure and come and be a part of that every Thursday night. Again, that starts tomorrow night at 7 p.m. So um, if you were interested in ordering Train Army t-shirts, you can still order those. This is the last week to do that. And in case you didn't know, we do have adult and child sizes available if you'd like to order those, so make sure you take advantage of that, all right? So every year for a RISE conference, we like to kick this off with the LC Classic Golf Tournament. So it's a two-man scramble. Anybody that wants to play, you're welcome to come and join us. There is limited space, but we do have some spot, um, some spots still open. But uh, it will be on October 14th. That's a Saturday. We'll get the entire Bristol Country Club to ourselves, a private course for the day. And so you know it'll be a good time. So the cost for that is $65, but that includes your green fee and your cart rental and lunch. I mean, you cannot beat it. And plus, if you win, I mean, that's even better. So it's a scramble format, so make sure you get somebody that either you can carry or you can carry or they can carry you. Amen. So all right. Last but not least, Arise 2023. Praise God. Arise. Who's excited for Arise conference? Praise God. It just keeps getting bigger and better each and every year. Arise is basically our homecoming. So all of the ministers that are under the covering of Train Ministers Alliance come home. And uh, these services are open to the public. We would love for each and every one of you to be a part of it. Uh, services are every night. It begins on Sunday, October 15th. It goes through the 18th. So we'll have uh, uh, services each day designed for ministers. But, of course, it's open to the public. If you've got time during the day, then please come and be a part of that. I know that you'll be blessed by it. And so each night, services start at 7 p.m. again uh, open to the public. And if you're watching online and you say, Man, that sounds pretty good, then please come and be a part. We'd love to see you. Even if you're not a member of the church, just come and you never know. You might become a member after coming to a rise. Isn't that right? Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so now we want to give you guys an opportunity to sow seed into the kingdom of God. Amen. Hallelujah. So uh, we're going to worship the Lord together in our tithes and offerings. There's several ways that you can do that. Tonight if you're here in the house then the bucket will be back there in the back. Jerry Wagner, handsome Jerry Wag back there. He'll be able to take that from you. And uh, if you're watching online and you weren't able to join us tonight or you've been watching Disclosure on lake-church.com, tune in and check those out. And you say, you know what, I want to be a part of what's going on there at Lake Church, then we want to open this opportunity to you as well. And so you can give on lake-church.com. There's a giving tab if you follow those prompts then you can give safely and securely that way. Also, we have text to give 8484321. If you text the word give to that number, then it can set you up as so you can pay anytime, 24 hours a day. Also, we have an app, Church Center app. Once you download that app and find Lake Church on that app, you can get set up, logged in, and, and give anytime through that app as well. And then again, we've got the buckets. And the envelopes and the seat backs in front of you. Amen. So it's like uh, Sunday morning that we heard and we're encouraged. It's not an obligation, but it's an opportunity. I thought that was, was, you know, that just blessed me. It's not an obligation. It's an opportunity. Praise the Lord. So once you are uh, plugged into that uh, releasing faith with your finances, then you can expect... You can expect that it'll bear fruit, and then not only in the areas that you're sowing into, but in your own life. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. So with that, we want to pray over our offering this evening and get started. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together this evening. We thank you for this opportunity to sow seed into your kingdom in faith, and Father, we just speak over it that it brings forth much fruit, that it abounds and it multiplies in Jesus' name. And, Father, we, we just worship you and give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Good evening, Lake Church. Hallelujah. Can we stand and just begin to lift our hands and give God glory tonight? Hallelujah. We're thankful for the rain. Amen. Thankful for the rain. Thankful for God's blessing and his bounty in our lives. We're so grateful. Father God, thank you so much. For your goodness and for your mercy, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, we just exalt you. We just exalt you, Lord. You are so good and you do good. We just praise you, Father God. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Glory to God. Oh, stir yourself up, saints. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Don't let the rain shut you down. Amen? Realize that, praise God, there's a spiritual rain coming down. Amen? There's a spiritual rain coming down. God desires to move and flow in your life. He desires to touch you tonight. He desires to move in your life. But you've got to put yourself in position. You can't come in with the cares of this world. You can't come in with what you came in with. You've got to align yourself It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Praise God. The Bible, uh, one of the translations says, enter into his gates with the password. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) But while we're in an attitude of prayer, we're going to lift up a couple of needs. Uh, Mike Standiford is going in for an operation on his nose. And we want to pray for him. We also want to pray for our good friend, Dave Kennedy, who uh, has had some pneumonia. And uh, it, uh, it's caused his breathing to, to be hindered. And we want to speak life to him in the name of Jesus. And uh, praise God. Amber, come up here. We're going to pray for Amber. She's going to have surgery on her wrist, I guess, next Monday. And uh, we're going to pray over her in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, we lift up Mike right now, and we just release the healing power of God to go forth right now in Jesus' name, and that there will be no, no hiccups in the surgery tomorrow, that all will go well, and that his recovery will be supernatural, that his healing process will be sped up in Jesus' name. Lord, we lift and we speak to Dave Kennedy right now, we speak to his lungs. We speak to his pulmonary and respiratory system right now. We speak to his heart. We speak to every area right now in the name of Jesus. We speak forth life, health, and healing right now to go forth and touch his life right now in Jesus' name. And we declare that he is the healed of the Lord and that he will be here Sunday morning. Hallelujah. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Which one's getting operated this time? Father, in Jesus' name. We just thank you for supernatural health and healing going forth all through her carpal tunnels right now in Jesus' name, all through every ligament, every vein, every uh, every aspect of her wrist and hands right now in Jesus' name. We thank you for divine life being released right now, being released right now in her body right now in Jesus' name. And we see no complications and a fast healing process in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. If you got something going on in your body this, this evening, lift your hands up. I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray for those that have their hands lifted. Right now, and I release the healing power of God to go forth and to touch their lives. Right now, in Jesus' name, I come against any kind of sickness and disease, any kind of inflammation in their body in any way, and I declare them the healed of the Lord. I speak life and release life right now in Jesus' name. Health and healing to them right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, praise God. Just as it's raining on the outside, it's raining on the inside. God's power, his wells of salvation are bursting forth within your spirit right now, bringing forth life and health and healing and wisdom. Praise God, there's wisdom needed in this house. There's wisdom needed in this house. There's people that are facing situations, they need the mind of Christ. I just release that right now in the name of Jesus. And I declare that you're going to be able to answer the situation that is perplexing you. You're going to be able to give an answer for the situation that you're faced with. You're going to have the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. You're going to make the right decision. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. You can be seated. Amen. Guess where we're going to be at tonight. And I have made. I have set. I have thrown down the gauntlet and said we're going to finish tonight. So it, it, it could just keep on raining till 10 o'clock. No, I'm just kidding. No, we're going to move pretty fast. Ephesians chapter 6. That's where we're at. Ephesians chapter 6. Amen. So we stopped at verse number 5, and he begins to talk about the relationship between bond servants and their masters. And that kind of brings up a tricky subject in the Bible, because there are many people who have propounded that because slavery is mentioned in the Scriptures, that God is the instigator of slavery. It, it, I'm serious. It, this, is, this is a talk in many a school, uh, taught in our colleges, that God is pro-slavery. God is not pro-slavery. The greatest example of God not being pro-slavery is the release of the Jews from Egypt. So if he's pro-slavery, why would he do that? Amen? Now, you remember when um, the Sadducees came to Jesus... They began to try to tempt him and trick him uh, involving marriage and basically used a scenario in which a woman was married to a brother and he died. And then by the law, they needed to have seed continue through so she would be given to his brother and then on and on and on and on. Okay? And uh, they also tried to tempt him and test him on divorce, okay, about putting a woman away. And that's really what it is. It's not really divorce as we see it today. It was far more sinister and far more serious, although divorce is horrible. I'm not saying that it's any lighter. I'm just saying it was the putting away of a woman. And when a woman was put away in that culture, she lost everything, everything. The woman who had the issue of blood had been put away. She had been put away and out on the streets and and, uh, and God corrected in the book of Malachi. Karen taught on that on Train TV last night. But uh, in the book of Malachi, he got on to the priests that were putting away their wives or their youth and taking on Gentile women. Come on now. That still goes on today. <laughs> that still goes on today. But we need to understand that. But they tried to tempt him in regards to the bill of divorcement. He says, why did Moses give us a bill of divorcement? Jesus said this, and this is the same way when it comes to slavery. He says, because of the hardness of your heart. Do you understand that? Because of the hardness of your heart, Moses allowed you. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's the same way with slavery. Slavery is a part of the fallen world. Man was never to be over another man, ever. In fact, the dominion that was given in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 26 was never in regards to people. It was in regards to the hand uh, of God's creation that he created with his hands. It was not in regard to other people. So we are not to dominate other people. Amen? Amen? However, because man is fallen and man was in league with the devil... Slavery became a part of that culture, and God had to address certain things in regards to the culture, but he himself did not create the culture. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he had to address, even in the Pentateuch, slavery, because slavery was a part of their their life, their way of life. They were slaves. And many of them that came out of Egypt also had servants or slaves. And so these things had to be addressed within the context of their new relationship with Yahweh. And he said, listen, you need to do this in regards to slave. It's not, hey, I'm for slavery. Get all you can. That's not what he said. He said, listen, in regards to this, this is how you're to behave. This is what should govern the way you do this. His desire was not for any slavery. However, he began to set parameters on what you could do. Now, slavery was a part of the culture in regards to cultures taking over other cultures, and they became slaves. But slavery in the time of Jesus was mainly due for financial reasons. Do you understand that? It's because someone would get in debt towards something or someone, and they would use servitude to pay off the debt. Do you understand that? Okay? So when slavery is mentioned here, the Apostle Paul has to address it because he is addressing a Roman culture, a Roman culture that was pro-slavery. Every civilization that they took over, they took slaves. They took slaves, and people owned slaves, and uh, from all kinds of places. Now, these slaves were getting saved, and these masters were getting saved, and it began to create confusion in the church because they didn't understand. Because I'm telling you, once the life of God gets in you, you begin to have some problems with owning people. That's right. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And so they've got some issues, you know. They've got some situations that they're trying to figure out. And he begins to share, bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling. So he basically is telling you how to live trusting God, but yet working in the present culture. Amen? He says, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling. Now, I've heard people use this as in regards to the employer-employee relationship. And you certainly could take it to that. But he's really addressing something that's far greater in its dynamics than that. Because your life was given to someone else. So they had to trust God in the midst of a... Un, in a situation that was not just nor right. Do you understand what I'm saying? So they had to trust God to deal with that situation. Amen? And it says, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. So he's giving them the mindset to be able to overcome the victimization that would try to overtake them because of the situation that they're in. Amen? There's people that are victimized just simply by their jobs, by the fact that they have to show up at 9 o'clock in the morning and work until 5 o'clock. There's people that believe they're victimized. These were true people that could plead victimization, but the Apostle Paul says, don't act like a victim. Come on now. we got to get real. Don't act like a victim. He says, serve them like you'd serve Jesus. Serve them like you'd serve God the Father. Amen? And it releases you from that victimized mindset. When you serve your job as unto the Lord, you release yourself from all of the carnal baggage that comes. Come on. I can tell I'm hitting a nerve here. I got down to the quick real fast on this one. Hello, because we want to blame our bosses. We want to blame our companies. We want to blame people around us, and that is victimization. That is not overcoming lifestyle. An overcoming lifestyle is to be in a predicament that is below or is demeaning, but yet trusting God and acting in a way God patterned you to act. Oh, it's amazing how we think we're victims when we do the word of God. You're never a victim when you do the word of God. You're a victim when you do the work of the flesh and the work of the devil because you're enslaving yourself. You may experience some mental freedom and some kind of physical release, but you're actually putting yourself in more bondage. Because you're not obeying the Word of God. Amen? There are people say, you know what, I'm going to quit my job. You know, my boss, I just can't get along with my boss. I can't get along with that. I say, well, you do, ha- do you have another job? No, I don't have any job. I'm just going to quit. That's a victimized mindset. That's basically saying, my boss is my Lord. And my day... And the happiness of my day is determined on how my boss treats me. That's victimized mindset. You're never supposed to live that way. That's what he's saying. They are in circumstances that you wouldn't want to be in. But yet they're in it. And they have to act in accordance to the word. Thank God Jesus came to make all men free. But he made us free first on the inside. Amen? And uh, praise God, the Apostle Paul knew that if they would get free on the inside, the, the outside is going to come right along. Amen? And it did for many of them. He says this, "...with sincere hearts, as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service, as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to men. Oh, if we would live by this. Oh, my goodness. If we would live by this and trust the Lord in our work state and in our work lives and stop feeling that we are being victimized by the people that we work with. I mean, that's consist- That's constant in our culture today. But we work for Christ no matter what we do. And what we do matters to God. Amen? And so we have to have the right heart attitude. Amen? Now, there is a story out of the church of Colossae. And it's basically a man by the name of Philemon. How many know a book called Philemon? All right. Philemon was a believer in the church of Colossae. And the Apostle Paul knew him well, and he got born again. But he had a slave by the name of Onesimus. And Onesimus ran away. He ran off. And he happened to come across as he is running. He's a fugitive. Because you leave your master, you're considered a fugitive. And he could have been taken in custody and put into jail. He runs into the Apostle Paul during his imprisonment. And gets saved. Now, listen to the story. He gets saved, and the Apostle Paul he he disciples him for a season, and then as he finds out that he is part of Philemon's household, he goes to send him back. Notice what the Apostle Paul doesn't say: "You're free of it. Just keep on going." See, that would continue that victimized mindset. See, there's a lot of people running from things. Amen? Come on. And um, he says, go back. And he says, I'm going to write a letter to Philemon, and I'm going to make this right. We're going to get reconciliation here. Amen? And so Philemon has to go back, or Onesimus has to go back to Philemon, And he brings the letter, known as Philemon, to, of course, the one that is written to. And he begins to share with him that you now not only have a servant, but you have a brother. You have a family member. And he expected Philemon to treat Onesimus as such. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus changes everything. Amen? He changes everything. Okay? There was absolutely no power physically within the influence of the first century church to abolish slavery. But through the liberation of men on the inside, the process began to grow and to grow and to grow till people would not tolerate slavery. Hello? The United States of America gets a bum rap. We're called a racist nation, but we're the only nation that ever fought to abolish it. Come on now. Isn't that ridiculous? Okay, so notice what he says. He says, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. So when you're working for somebody and you're giving your best, You are actually recurring a payment from the Lord. The Lord sees what you're doing. And he sees the heart of what you're doing. Because that's what he looks at. Because you can physically be in a place and you can physically do the work, but you cannot be there. Come on now and not be doing it from the heart. And he's saying, do it from the heart. Now notice who he's telling to do this. People who are forced to work and to serve. He says, release yourself from that victimization. Empower yourself in Christ and serve the Lord in the midst of that. And you'll experience freedom. Do you understand that? See, it's really like a a paradox, isn't it? It's an oxymoron. You know, there's plenty of them in the Bible, like labor to rest, give to receive. These are oxymorons. These are are words that break the world system and cause us to rise above the gravitational pull of this age. The things of God shouldn't work in the natural world. But because they're supernatural and they're from God, we can actually override the laws that govern this world. Amen? And that's what this is. When we relieve ourselves from the natural construct of slavery and realize that we're serving the Lord no matter whether we're free or bond, then it brings liberation to our own lives. Amen? I remember, I can't remember what his name was, But uh, he was put in a, uh, he was a Jew, and he was imprisoned by the Nazis. And he was in a cell that was probably no bigger than a phone booth. It was a little bit bigger, probably two phone booths. And he said that he learned how to live free in the midst of that constrained, sequestered scenario, because he learned how to release what was within him. You understand what I'm saying? See, we need to realize that sometimes margin can make you lazy. <laughs> sometimes having too much room and too many options really work against us. That's true. You really can't do much with slack. Would you like to climb a mountain with a rope that's slack? You wouldn't dare get on that. You want to make sure it's taut before you begin to scale that. But there's a lot of people, they want margin, they want slack. And you can't get anywhere with slack. It's only when we realize that we are more than our circumstances. And greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world yes. that we begin to experience true freedom. And that's what he's talking about here. Yes. He told Onesimus, go back. Go back. Imagine that. Well, I'm free in Jesus. I've heard this all the time. I'm free in Jesus. I can do what I want. No? Mm? No? No? No, he's called Lord for a reason. <laughs> okay, this is going over good. I'm glad it's raining. You can't hear half of what I'm saying. All right. Okay, so, and, and then he goes on and says, "Masters, do the same to them. Do the same to them. Amen. And stop your threatening." See, there should be transformation that happens in your life to where you don't motivate people like you used to motivate them. Oh, I'm telling you, some husbands and wives need to understand this too, that threatening kids isn't going to help. Amen? How many can seriously say that a threat changed your child's life? No, no, it actually caused them to rebel and buck up against you. They may have said... Okay, okay, but they're thinking in their mind, no way. Because right, yeah. nobody likes to be talked to that way. Come on. And it says, stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. So what is he saying? He's saying there's no partiality between a slave and and a master to the Lord. He says you're all equal in the eyes of God. Now, in Roman culture, that was not the case. Roman culture had a tier system. Jesus blew that, broke that down. He said there's no, it it may be that he may be your bondservant, but guess what? In the eyes of the Lord, he's on the same level as you are. And you need to treat him as such. Do you see how slavery broke down with that mindset, with that mentality? When that's injected into the culture, one person at a time, one family at a time, that we begin to see it breaking down? Do you see the wisdom of the Lord in that? Okay, all right. Okay, now, and many of you are saying this right now, which is the first word of verse 10, finally. (laughs) Okay, finally. So in lieu of all we've talked about over these last, goodness gracious, how long has it been? It's been a while. He says, I'm coming to the point where I want you to know this, and this is supreme for you to understand. In light of who you are in Christ in light of the glorious gospel of Jesus, in light of the fact that you are to function as a body, that you are to know what fivefold ministry gifts are, that you are to be able to walk circumspectly before the Lord, that you are able not to walk in darkness anymore, but walk in the light, that you are able to love your wives as Christ loved the church, and wives, submit yourself to your husbands as unto the Lord. In all this, he says, finally, He says, man, this is what I want to get to right now. There's opposition to what I've just told you in the first five chapters. Amen? So in order to have this stuff manifest in your life and cause you to rise up and be the new creation you're called to be, you've got to understand that you've got to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Amen? You need to be strong in him, not strong in yourself. Your strength comes from the Lord. And of course, just as we studied the power words in the first chapter of this epistle, these same words are used here. And we look at strong, which is the word dunamis, which means explosive inherent power. It's dynamite power. It says, to have dynamite, inherent power in the Lord. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank God we've got it. That's right. Thank God we're power-packed. Yes. We've got dunamis power. But then he goes on and he says, And in the strength, or as your translations say, power, again, It it is the word kratos in the Greek, kratos, and it's another word for power. But kratos is where we get the word demos, kratos. Demos meaning people, kratos meaning ruling power. So he says, be strong with the inherent power, dunamis power of God, and in the ruling power. Oh, praise God. The church is called to exercise ruling power. Not over people, but over demonic entities and circumstances and situations that are contrary to the Word of God. We have ruling power. Amen? We're kings and priests unto God. We reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. That means that we have the ability to rule and reign because we have been given authority and his name to invoke against anything that is contrary to the kingdom of God in our lives. Amen? But then he says, of his might. And the word might there is the word iscus. And iscus means, and we've we shared this with you at the first of the lesson, iscus means positional power. Yes. It means that you have this power and authority just by who you are and what family you're born in.
2: Yes.
1: Amen? Amen? That means when you walk in the door, people know, demons know when a believer walks in the door. I'll tell you a little story. We had a situation in which... Uh, one of our parishioners was having a problem uh, going to the bar and his wife had had enough of it. So she called me and Pastor David and she said, you need to go get and I'm going to leave a blank for his name and you can look around and try to figure out who it is. No, I'm just kidding. There's nobody around here. Amen. And so we went down to this bar and we, I, I, you know, I'm not, a bar hopper. I don't you know, I I didn't even go to bars when I was in the world. Right. So we go into this bar and it's it's late night. It's like ten o'clock at night and so we open this door and it's me and David, and David was a big guy with a big old beard, you know. We look like prophets were walking in there, you know. <laughs> and the minute we walked in the door, everybody turned to see us. I mean, everybody turned. They knew when light came in the building, even though they could not perceive it in the natural. Because the entities that were influencing their lives knew. Okay. And so we went and we sat down by our friend and began to try to coax him to go home and patch up with his wife and get some help, and we'd help him and whatever. He didn't leave with us. But uh, as we went out, people followed us out. And we sat in the parking lot, and each one of them, now they were, some of them were three sheets to the wind. But they would come to us and say, why didn't you come get me? That's what they'd ask. Why didn't you come get me? What, what makes him so special that you'd come after him? Why didn't you come and get me? They were looking for light. Light walked in, even though their physical eyes could not perceive it, their spiritual eyes did, and they wanted what we had. And we were able to pray for multiple people that night, even though we didn't retrieve the person we went after. Amen. Amen. Hello. Hello. But I'm telling you, when you walk in, you are royalty. I don't care how you feel about yourself right now. I don't care how other people feel about you. You might have been told by a lover or an ex-spouse or a, uh, a, a that you're no good, that you're worthless. Nothing could be further from the truth. Because when you walk and you have Jesus living on the inside of you, You are born into the family of God, and you are royalty. And and even though human beings may not realize it and know it, Satan recognizes it, and demons recognize it. And that's really all that matters, honey. Hello, that's really all that matters. Because when you walk in there, they know, we better straighten up. Hello, we're either going to try to intimidate you, Or we're going to back off and retreat and hide. That's the only two things they do. Retreat and hide or try to intimidate you. Guess what? You've got an answer for both. Because you are royalty. You have inherent, excuse, power. Hello. Now we've got King Charles now. Is King Charles just a great guy? not have you read some of his biographies and stuff the guy's a moron but I'm telling you when he walks around his nation things move well guess what when you walk around knowing who you are in Christ Jesus things move amen situations change come on now then he says, put on. Now notice that. He doesn't say that God's going to put it on you, that God's going to dress you. I think some people have this idea that we're little babies and we're being dressed up by mama. That God is all of a sudden just going to dress us up. No, we've got to put on ourselves. It's our responsibility to put this on. Amen? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Now, notice that. Very important that we understand that. It doesn't say put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to fight. Hello? He's not saying put on the whole armor of God that you might take ground. He says, no, you put on the whole armor of God to be able to stand. Okay? Because the wrestle in your spiritual life is about the standing. Right. It's not about you wrestling. Yes. People say, well, I'm fighting the devil. Stop. Right. Come on. Why would you fight someone that's defeated? Learn to stand. When you learn to stand, that's resisting the devil. And the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. He'll run from you as in terror. Jesus did this. Jesus as at the end of his fast. It says after 40 days of fasting and being tempted by the devil, Satan himself comes in and begins to tempt him with three temptations. Notice that Jesus didn't do all this spiritual warfare mumbo-jumbo that everybody tries to do. He just simply answered the temptations with the word of God. What was he doing? He was standing. you got to learn to stand. You put on the armor of God. What is the armor of God? The armor of God is not pieces of armor that are physical that we put on. They're revelations that we must cultivate in our lives. They are things that we must harbor within our heart and renew our mind with. And when we renew our mind with these revelations, we're able to stand. Because the devil is going to attack you throughout these pieces of armor. These basic doctrines that we are supposed to take into our heart are going to be attacked by the enemy. He's going to try to get you off of the foundation of these truths. Amen? And he says this, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Okay? The word schemes is the word methodos in the Greek. And it is not plural. It is singular. So he's not talking about a wide array of schemes or a multiplicity of methods. He's talking about one scheme. One method. Okay? Now notice it tells you what that method is by the name devil. The schemes are methodos of the diabolos. That's what the Greek says, diabolos. It's a Greek compound of two words, dia, which means to penetrate, bolos, which means to throw. So he tells you that the main method of the enemy is to hurl accusations, to hurl lies, and to hurl all kinds of words at you until he penetrates the fabric of your soul, and creates a mental stronghold. Now we see this with Goliath in the 14th chapter of 1 Samuel. We see this. Goliath gets in the middle of the valley of Elah with the Philistines on one side and the people of God on the other, and he threatens them. He speaks against God, curses God, curses them, and it causes them to retreat and to shake and quake in their boots until David shows up. David hears what's saying. Now listen, listen to this. David hears what's being said, and it incites him to anger. In the others, it incited fear. What the enemy wants to do is he wants to continue to hurl these threats, to hurl these lies, to hurl this stuff, to get you in a mental state where you're fearful and you retreat. David had not been hearing this for 40 days. He heard it because he was bringing some cheeseburgers for his brothers. He was at home worshiping God in the field. And he was in the presence of God and when you're in the presence of God and a giant comes in your valley and begins to speak contrary to the word of God, it incites you to action. You're not fearful, you're bold. You say, my goodness, is there, and he kept saying this, is there not a cause? See, they said all kinds of things. That's what he'll say. You get a symptom in your body. You know, you stub your toe, you'll hear this. Cancer. Hello. You get a pain in your side. Cancer. You're going to die. You have a problem with your breathing. Heart attack. You'll hear this. Just come out of nowhere. Come out of nowhere. What's he trying to do? He's hurling. He's hurling lies misinformation, fake news, to try to get you to embrace that. Amen? Hallelujah. Temptation is not sin. Did you know that? He can hurl temptation at you, and you can get thoughts in your mind like, where in the world did that come from? But until we yield to that, which will eventually bring forth death, see, we're, we're safe. We don't yield from it. We have to resist it. We have to stand against it. Amen? Symptoms are not sickness. Symptoms are not sickness. We have to resist those things. We have to speak to symptoms in our body. Hello? Hello? We've got to speak to those knees that are causing us problems right now. Yeah. Say, no knees, you're redeemed. Jesus' blood bought you. I release the power of God into my, into my knees, into my tendons. I release right now in Jesus' name, and I declare I'm the healer of the Lord. See, you've got to resist. You've got to be able to stand. Yeah. See, he doesn't just use words. He'll use pain. Okay. He'll use pressure. He'll use other people to speak things into your life. You know, they're just ventriloquist dummies. You know, just parroting whatever he's trying to sell to you. Amen? You've got to be able to stand. The wrestle is in standing. The warfare is in standing. Spiritual warfare isn't getting up on the roof and shouting principalities down. Spiritual warfare is resisting... The onslaught of the enemy and standing in what God said. Amen? I mean, you can shout at the devil all you want to. I remember one person told me this. He said, you know what? You're newly saved. He said, I got so mad at the devil, I just cussed him out. Well, that ain't going to do you any good. But standing in the revelation... Of the risen work of Jesus will cause him to be in trouble in your life. Amen? Are you with me? I'm running out of time. We're going to get through it. All right? Notice this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness... Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, how many realize he could have constructed the sentence with one against? He could have said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and go down the line. The reason why against is used over and over again is because it is a Greek word, pros, P-R-O-S, And it means eyeball to eyeball, face to face, nose to nose. So it shows you the proximity of these entities. They're not high and somewhere else. They're not looking and observing through cameras. They're right in your face. They're eyeball to eyeball with you. They're standing against you. They're daring you to take that next step. And they're looking to push you off of what God has called you to do. Amen? And, of course, we see the hierarchy, and we talked about that on Sunday, so I'm not going to reiterate that, but you can definitely see principalities is the lower level because it deals with real estate. Then you have authorities over them. Then you have, you see, the cosmocrators; is what the Greek calls them, which is uh, cosmic powers. Over this present darkness. And then you have the spiritual wickedness. Which is the fallen angels. That are in the heavenlies. Okay. So we see a tiered system. That is the same pattern. Of the angelic realm. Because all they are doing is mimicking the angel because they're angels. They're created. The order is created by God. They're just operating in that same order. They're just doing it in a malevolent way rather than in a benevolent way. You understand that? Satan's kingdom works the same as God's kingdom. Everything he does mimics and imitates what God does. See what I'm saying? Antichrist will mimic and and mimic Jesus' ministry on the earth. Okay? Okay. All right? So he says this, Therefore, take up. Notice that. It's all on you. It isn't God taking it up. It's you taking it up. You've got to take it up. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. There it is again. doesn't say go take territory. Come on. It just says withstand. Be able to stand against. He says, uh, in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore. I think he's trying to make a point here. Do you think he's trying to say something here? Okay, so the wrestle is in the standing. It's when the doctors are saying there's no hope. You can't be healed of this. Yep. Trying to push you off yeah. of Isaiah 53, 4, and 5. Right. Trying to push you off of 1 Peter 2, 24. Yep. Trying to push you off of Psalm 103. Come on now. Yeah. Just trying to push you off. I'm telling you what, you need, your confession needs to be the same. When, you know how you know you're standing? When your heart and your mouth are saying what God says, Amen. Amen. So it says, "Stand, therefore, having uh, fastened or fasted, fastened on the belt of what truth." Okay. Jesus defined what truth is, and here is something that you have to understand: truth is not a concept. Truth is not a set of principles. Truth is a person. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And that word truth there actually can be translated reality. So that means this. What we're presently experiencing in this present evil age is not true reality. Okay? Jesus came to exemplify what mankind was supposed to be without the fall. See, he emptied himself of his godly attributes and he functioned as a man anointed by the Spirit of God. Now, he was 100% God and he was 100% man, but he did not use his divinity to operate and do the miracles that he did. Otherwise... When he went to his own hometown, wouldn't you believe that he would want to show off to the home crowd? But yet it says he could there do no mighty work because of their unbelief. So he was actually hindered in his ability to exhibit the kingdom of God through his life because of the variableness of the people. Which shows me that he was dependent upon the Holy Spirit to do his works. And he said that over and over. People say, well, Jesus could just do anything. That's not what Jesus said. He said, I can only do what I see my Father do, and I can only speak what I hear my Father speak. He says, The doctrine is not mine, it's the Father's doctrine. It's the Father in me that doeth the works. Remember that? Amen? See, he had to operate as a man anointed by the Spirit of God because. He could not transfer that over to the body of Christ on the earth today. Because we are not God. And when he says, truly, truly, I say unto you, the works that I do shall you do also. And greater works than these, because I'm going to the Father. Why did he say that? He said, I am replicating myself in you. I am not just an example for you. I'm an example of you. Oh, if we just get a hold of this stuff. Renew our mind and understand this. Collectively, as the body of Christ, we are his body on the earth. The same ministry that he had in the three and a half years that he was upon the earth is the same ministry that should continue in his body right now to this day. But yet we've been schooled out of that thought. We've been tricked because we haven't fastened on the belt of truth. Amen. Jesus in the 17th chapter of the gospel of John, he said this, he said, keep them in your truth. Thy word is truth. So we know that the number one revelation or the number one thing that's going to be pushed on is our word life. That's going to be hindered. He wants to keep you from this book. He wants to keep you from coming here. He brought rain to keep you from coming here tonight. He brings all kinds of obstacles. Many of you faced obstacles today to even get here tonight. It's easier to go to Disney World than here. Amen? You can go to the liquor store a whole lot easier than you can go to church. You can go to the weed store a whole lot easier than you can go to church. And you won't get offended if you have to stay in line. But if you have to stand, come on now. If you have any bit of inconvenience in the church, I'm out of here. I'm gone. Come on now. Why? It's because this is important. Truth is being withheld from you. Truth comes through the seed of the Word of God. And if you're not in a place where seed is being thrown at you, like right now, I'm throwing seed at you, you've got to take it into the soil of your heart, and you've got to hold on to the truth. Because that's going to be attacked. The belt of truth. Okay? Notice this. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, I'm not just focusing on, you know, the fact well, the belt, it goes around your waist and it holds this. And I'm not going to get into that. What I'm trying to show you is that it doesn't matter how the armor went on. What he's emphasizing is the revelations. He said, if you want to overcome, if you want to stand in the power of the Lord and be strong in the power of his might, you've got to understand that truth is the word of God. And the word of God is Jesus. And the next thing you're going to be attacked in the realm of righteousness. I'm telling you, there's a whole lot of attacks upon righteousness. Amen. When you're out in the world, you feel dirty, you feel, you know, you you, you you might not be aware of your unrighteousness, but you just know something isn't right. And then you come to Christ and you feel that cleansing flow of his blood. And you receive new life, and it just seems like the entire weight of the world just comes off of your shoulders. And then you get into church, and people start putting bondage and legalism on you. And start calling you an old sinner saved by grace. That's not scriptural. You were a sinner. You were saved by grace. But the Bible teaches that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the enemy does not want you to know that. Because if he can convince you of your inability to be righteous, he will manipulate you and dominate you in your life. And your righteousness is not based upon your actions or your appealing to certain attributes or certain rules and regulations. Your righteousness is based upon the work of Jesus alone. You can't add to it and you can't take away from it. It's done through the cross and through the cross alone. You can't get any more righteous than you are right now. If you're born again, you can't get any more righteous than you are right now. But yet we have this mistaken notion that there are levels of righteousness Legalism teaches this. Well, I'm at church more than you are, so I should get more from God. Or I do this more. Or I pay the... And your salvation isn't based upon your works. It's based upon His. Amen? We're not healed because we're a good person. We're healed because of a good Jesus. You understand what I'm saying here? No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise up against you, I shall condemn. You shall condemn, saith the Lord. For you are my inheritance, are my heritage, and your righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. So it's him that makes you righteous. You don't make yourself righteous. But what does the enemy do? Well, look what you just did. Look at what you just said. And he pushes you off of standing in your right standing. And I'm telling you, your right standing will save your life. It will save your health. It will save your family. If you'll understand who you are and that you are righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ alone. And there's times when I've absolutely felt miserable about the way I've behaved. Times in which shame was trying to come upon me and guilt. But if I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So all I need to stand in is, you know what? Satan, you might have won a battle, but you haven't won the war. Amen? And it doesn't matter. It's under the blood of Jesus, I'm standing in the righteousness that He gave me, not in my own, because when you start bartering and start saying, "Well, I didn't make it to church this last week, and I didn't tithe, and well, you're just opening the door to the enemy. The enemy's just going to use that. You don't do that stuff to get favor with God. You've already got favor with God. Jesus is your love letter from God, not your tithing. Mm, okay. All right. Okay. We've got to understand that righteousness is important. You've got to be steeped in righteousness. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. You need to look in the mirror. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It may take you a few times, but, boy, you start saying it bolder and bolder. And when adversity comes your way and the enemy comes your way, you say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I do not stand in my own works. I do not stand in my own righteousness. I have received his righteousness. Therefore, there is no basis for your attack. There is no basis for what you're trying to do. It is illegal. It is unlawful because I have been redeemed by God himself. That's the language he hates. See, Satan's a legalist. He's a lawyer. The only thing that shuts him up is the law, the Word. That's what shut him up in Jesus' case. Jesus didn't say, well, Rabbi so-and-so said. No, he, he knew what the Word said. Are you with me? And then it says, and on your, on your shoes, shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Oh, you've got to get a revelation that God is at peace with you. Yes. Yes. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You've got to understand that. You know, when Jesus was born, what did the angels say? Goodwill and peace yep. to all men. God is at peace with you. Yeah. But what does the devil do? What does the accusation go? God's mad at you, God's angry with you, he's disappointed in you. God's angry. Hello? The Bible says that God does get angry, but it also says that he is slow to anger. Amen? And in fact, if you look at uh, Isaiah 54, he says, these will be, talking about the days of the new covenant, will be like the days of Noah, in which I swore never to flood the earth again. I will never be angry with you. Oh, that's good news. See, but people think God's angry with them. They mess up and they think God just had it. It's because we've had people in our life that have had it with us when we made, did something wrong. We think God turns us back. God doesn't turn us back on you. You are at peace with God. If you are reconciled in Christ Jesus, God is at peace with you. Amen? Okay. You can believe it if you want to. I choose to believe it. Amen? And then it says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. So that's the next revelation, that you're going to be tempted to cast aside and put away from you, the shield of faith. Because if you don't have the shield of faith, all the fiery darts of the wicked one are going to hit you, and they're, they're going to continue to work destruction in your life. We have to be schooled in the fact that it is the faith in the gospel that is the power of God. Amen? Amen. So we've got to understand that faith is going to be attacked. You know, we have whole entire denominations that attack what they call the faith message. It's not a message. It's just in the Bible. It's just faith in the Bible. Amen? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by a rhema from God. Amen? The just shall live by faith. I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto him that believes. You see what I'm saying? Faith is vital and important for you to understand. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Amen? Amen? Okay, all right. We're getting there. We're getting there. Just give me three more minutes, all right? It says, wherewith you shall be able to extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation. Now, he uses this same um, imagery in 1 Thessalonians where he talks about the helmet of the hope of salvation. And I believe he's still carrying along that line here. Because what does the helmet do? The helmet represents the renewing of the mind by the Word of God. Because when we take care of our thought life and align it with the Word of God, no matter what comes our way, we don't think gloom, despair, and agony on me. We have the hope of salvation in any scenario regardless of what is said or not said. Amen? When we renew our mind to the Word of God, adversity can come to us and say, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to break apart your family. I'm going to bankrupt your business. I'm going to take away your health. But because you've got that helmet on, because you can't be penetrated by those arrows in your mind, you'll be able to say, No! Amen? God is my salvation. God is my strong tower. God is the one who protects my life. No evil shall befall me. No plague shall come nigh my dwelling. Amen? That's the renewed mind. Amen? Then he goes on and says this. And the sword of the Spirit. Notice what he tells what the sword of the Spirit is which is the word of God. Now that word is Rema. It's not Logos. This is not the sword. The sword is when it's in your heart and it comes out of your mouth. Amen. Logos is when I read this word on a page. Rhema is when this word on a page gets into my heart and becomes one with me and I speak it out. That's how you were saved. Amen? You believed in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confessed Jesus as Lord. That's what brought about the transformation. It's the same with healing. It's the same with any promise of God. But you can't just simply just say, you know, people will say... Well, I better get in that Bible. Things are getting hard. And they try to get into the Bible. Listen, it's going to take you a minute yes, it is. to take it from the Logos to a rhema. How many ever had a eureka moment in the Scriptures? Amen. I remember it was one time I was just going over Isaiah 53, 4, and 5 one time. And it says, surely he took... My infirmities and bore my sickness. And then all of a sudden the words he took popped right out of the page. It's like three dimensional, just popped right out of that page. And all of a sudden you began to, I began to explain, I see it. I see it. Remember what Proverbs chapter four says? They are life, talking about the scriptures to those who find them. That means that you can be reading this and not find it. You can know the reference, but not find it. You find it when you get below the top layer and get into the rich soil. Get into the rich treasure of the Word of God. When it becomes alive, it's an active, alive Word. I mean, it gets all over you. you go, my goodness, and you try to tell your wife about it. Or try to tell a friend about it, and they're like, that's great, honey. You just keep it up. They don't have the same light. Even though they've heard that scripture a hundred times as well. You understand what I'm saying? So it's the the sword of the Spirit is the rhema Word of God. The living, active Word of God the Word of God that has been hid in your heart and has been released out of your mouth by the power of faith. Majority of confession is not necessarily using the sword as it is getting the Logos to become Rhema. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, I used to carry around those Charles Caff's books. And I used to go down every day and I would read those confessions. I would speak them out loud. And I was speaking them out loud and speaking them out loud and speaking them out loud. And I remember one day, it just seemed like the power plant got turned on on this. How many know what I'm talking about? There was just, there was the, um, the presence of faith. How many know what I'm talking about? the presence of faith came into my spirit and I had been confessing those scriptures for months. And I mean, the Lord moved on me. He said, listen, faith is here. Release that right now into your situation. And so I got up. I went to the camp where I did all my praying and I got up on the bench. I got up on the top of that table and I spoke over the lake. And I began to speak those scriptures over there. And praise God, that was the sword of the Spirit cutting the enemy, cutting all of the things that were trying to come against me. Amen? But I had to find it. People say, well, I read the Bible and it doesn't make any sense. Keep reading. Well, you know, I don't know if it's doing any good. It's feeding you. It's feeding your spirit. Keep doing it. Amen. Amen. Don't put it down. Don't put it down. Notice what it says. It says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. So the next one is prayer. That's going to be a revelation that's attacked in your life. There's nothing more attacked than your word life and your prayer life. I mean, he is going to go after that because he understands that it's the truth of God's word that causes your sword to be sharp. And it's prayer that obliterates all of his plans and purposes in your life. Amen? Amen. And so it says, praying in the Spirit. Now the phrase, in the Spirit, is found in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 14. I will pray in the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding. So notice this. People will often say, well, he's just talking about prayer that's under the unction of the Spirit, whether it is known tongues or other tongues. And that could be right. But I think he's specifically talking about praying in other tongues. And I believe that it is vital that you understand that praying in other tongues is allowing the high priest, Jesus, to pray through you. Amen? Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, it says that when we don't know how to pray for things as we ought, The Spirit Himself takes hold together against that situation and begins to give us articulations and unctions and utterances that cannot be necessarily known by figures of speech, by regular speech. That's the Spirit of God interceding on your behalf. And it says this, that when we pray in the Spirit... We are praying the perfect will of God because it's Jesus, the high priest, that is praying. You know, it says that Jesus intercedes for us. Did you know that in the script? He is our high priest. He intercedes. Did you know how he intercedes for us? He intercedes through us. Hello. Hello. I'll have to close on that, but we'll talk about that maybe a little bit later, but notice this: <clears throat> praying in the spirit with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that the word may be given to me an, an, uh, in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador, and that's who you are. you're an ambassador. An ambassador is taking care of the kingdom that the ambassador represents. The ambassador is not subject to the land that he is sent to or she is sent to. Amen? In fact, ambassadors that come to the United States are not subject to the laws of the United States. Therefore, you are not subject to the laws of this world system. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Amen? He says, I'm an ambassador, but I'm in chains that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I told you I'd get to. My wife's saying, God bless us. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's a lot. That's a lot. Amen. But it's powerful. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can we thank the Lord for the Word of God? Thank you, Lord, for your Word. In Jesus' name, thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. If you're here and you need anything from the Lord, we'll have ministers that will be up here after the close of service, be able to help you and assist you in any way that you might need. If you need to be born again, you need prayer for anything in your life, they'll be right here. We want to encourage you to invite somebody on Sunday. We're going to be talking about some important things in disclosure. And then praise God, we're going to start a new Bible teaching series on the book of Galatians. And uh, a rise is coming up. Amen. So excited about that. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.